Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backchat. 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 Your alternative to talk back. Yes, that is right. You are listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Shami Simisabramanian. This week, we've seen Barnaby Joyce blame two people who lost their lives in the New South Wales bushfires for being most likely Greens voters. And if that wasn't bad enough, it's also the beginning of Donald Trump's impeachment hearings. Uh, But as always, we're going to give you the news you may not have heard on your airwaves this week. First up, we have Linda Prochadetsky, a choice food policy expert in the studio to discuss the health star ratings you see on your food packaging and what they really mean for our health. After that, we have BuzzFeed news reporter and former Backchat producer, the beloved Cameron Wilson. He's here to discuss the most recent article that he's written for BuzzFeed about the other Australian government uh, that is holding elections, it's passing bills and making laws all without us even knowing about it. Yeah, it's a little confusing. It but is very confusing. Break it down. And <laughs> as always, we want to hear from you. If you were going to start your own Australian government, what would be the first thing you'd change? Text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at FBI. Stay tuned. Our first interview's right after this. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. So you know the health star ratings that you see on the side of your chips or that can of chickpeas? While many Australians rely on that scale to make decisions about their health, recent reports have emerged alleging that the rating system isn't that reliable. Choice, Australia's largest consumer advocacy group, has accused food manufacturers of gaming the system by picking and choosing which products to put stars on, leading to a bias towards those very products. We have Linda Prejudetsky, a food policy expert from Choice, here with us to explain a little bit more about what's going on. Hi there, Linda. Hey, thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. So how does a health star rating work? (laughs) So the health star rating is a system that's designed to help you uh, select products at a glance. So it's designed to compare like for like. So for example, muesli bars against muesli bars. Now the system is five years old and in the time that it's been around, it's had a few teething pains, shall we say. So at the end of this uh, five-year review, which was conducted at the start of this year, uh, uh, some recommendations emerged. So we are calling for the health star rating to be strengthened and expanded because we know that it can and does help people make better choices. But there are a few adjustments that we'd like to see made. So one of those is that we really want the Hellstar ratings to uh, give higher penalties to salt and sugar, for example. And we also want to make sure that they're mandatory. So at the moment, um, you alluded to manufacturers gaming the system, and that's mm-hmm. exactly right. They're picking and choosing which products display the Hellstars and which st- which products don't. Uh, and the real issue with that is that uh, some of the products that would score uh, quite low on the scale don't actually display the Hellstar, and so people end up um, having to guess how healthy that product is just based on other things. So what kind of pushback have you received? Well, look, I mean, there are a lot of uh, industry groups that insist that it's too hard or too inconvenient to put health styles on their products. Now, of course, that's in their interests, but... uh, 
this system is designed to help people, to help consumers in the supermarket. And we know that people like it. We know that it actually positively influences their choices. And the other thing that's a real benefit of the health star rating system is that when star ratings uh, came in, a lot of manufacturers actually reformulated their products. So what that actually means is that uh, it kind of put a bit of pressure on manufacturers to actually look at their ingredients and um, actually make some changes to, say, the sugar, salt, and fat levels that were in their products. So we've see that reformulation as a secondary benefit that's actually really positive because that is driving change to the products themselves and having a positive influence on what's in our supermarket. But, you know, there's always going to be those uh, bits of pushback from industry, but we want uh, the health star rating to be made by consumer groups and public health experts so that it makes nutritional sense and not marketing sense. Absolutely. So when did the health star rating start and who pushed for it? That's a good question. So uh, it started five years ago. And in terms of who pushed for it, I mean, it was a lot of consumer groups who were definitely one of them that called for it to be brought in and a lot of public health groups. We know that there are a lot of different food labeling systems around the world. Uh, So some have kind of warning labels, some have a uh, color, like a traffic light system. And in Australia, uh, we assessed a whole lot of those options and decided on the health star rating system. Now, as I said, um, because it is a new system that did come with kind of teething pains. But since its uh, inception five years ago, we have seen it really help a lot of people in making better choices. So a lot of our food is packaged with sugars and salts. And the whole point of this health health star rating was to help consumers kind of decipher all of that. Um, But is there any way for us as consumers to really know how much we're consuming? Oh, that's a really good question. So with... With some of like the sugars and the salts, you would typically look at the nutrition information panel. So that's the uh, labeling system at the back. The problem is we don't currently label added sugars as a separate line item. So basically there are two types of sugars. There's intrinsic sugars, which occur naturally in foods. So the kind of things like lactose, which occurs naturally in dairy and yogurts, that's a sugar that occurs naturally. And similarly with fructose in fruit. But then there are other sugars, so extra sugars that are added during the manufacturing process, and they're often hidden under really mysterious labels in the ingredients list, like bar- barley malt syrup or yeah. other words like that. So you can't it really... Gets me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why should you have to look through a whole ingredients list on every product uh, when you're at the supermarket? That's absolutely ridiculous, which is why we want added sugars to be clearly labeled in the nutritional information panel. Now... Once we get that labeling in, we can also incorporate that in the health star rating algorithm so it's more accurate. And what that would mean is that a lot of uh, products such as cereals would likely lose some of the stars. Uh, We just got a text in from someone complaining about the same issue I have, Mm. which is um, the um, average serving in a packet. Mm -hmm. So you get chip packets and they're like under 100 calories per serve and there's about 20 servings per packet. It's actually three pieces of chips. Um, And I know that um, Milo was under fire actually for that because Mm. per serve it's about two teaspoons and it's fine. But Who who puts two teaspoons in Milo? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Any glass of milk? No. (laughs) Honestly, I I mean, I get caught out with that personally. I mean, I see, especially when uh, chocolate bars say fun size, I'm like, that's not not that much fun. Like, I... (laughs) 
yeah, like fun for me is a king size. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but with Milo, uh, what they actually got caught out with um, is something they can no longer do. Luckily, uh, they, thanks to us complaining about it for long <laughs> enough. Know. But uh, what they were doing was saying that they uh, they they base their Hellstar rating on an as prepared basis. So basically, they're like, when we mix Milo with skim milk. This is, yeah, that's what they're doing. Including the skim milk. milk. And I'm like, "Mm, people actually eat Milo in a whole range of different ways, such as on ice cream, on ice cream, or just a spoonful of it. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to yuck your yum. Like you do do whatever you need to do uh, to enjoy your Milo, but uh, Milo shouldn't be gaming the system and putting the health star rating based on a particular combination that not everybody um, actually follows. You're really fighting the good fight. And thank you, Linda, for doing that (laughs) You're speaking for us. So um, I'd love to know, um, you know, how can we as people um, keep manufacturers more honest about, you know, what they're putting in their foods? Well, I think that one of the most important things is to tell the ministers that are making these decisions uh, that we really support the system and we want to see improvements in it. At the moment, it's not perfect, but it does really help. And the system is designed to help um, as many people as possible. You don't have to use it in for every product choice. Um, as we mentioned before, it's only for packaged foods. Uh, so it doesn't really, um, you won't see health stars across a whole range of foods uh, that um, constitute a balanced diet. So you won't see it on your fruit and vegetables or, you know, a lot of your fresh meats or Mm. seafoods. But it is designed to help people. And there is so much marketing spin uh, that we see. We we saw this uh, product that we gave a shunky to this year that had over 22% added sugar. And it was marketed to children as a fun and nutritious way to start your kid's day. Now, Mm -hmm. I think that that's pretty misleading. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that is exactly the kind of marketing material that really tends to sway us when we're time poor, when we don't, uh, you know, perhaps we don't understand the nutrition information panel, um, or we simply just really want to make an easy choice. We don't want to use all of that brain power assessing everything. And the survey that we did recently actually found that when health stars weren't displayed, 75% of us relied on marketing materials. So that's the photos and the, uh, the words on the packages to make decisions about the healthiness of a product. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty bad. Wow. Ads and like, we are wow. sheep. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Um, so what can we do um, to make sure that manufacturers are being a bit more honest? Well, uh, I would suggest going to choice.com.au slash food label research. Um, it's a really good way to email your ministers and to let them know that, um, Basically, you want to see a mandatory health star system. Now, they met yesterday and they committed to some reforms, which were good, which was to strengthen um, the way that sugar and salt are penalized in the health star rating algorithm. But they haven't committed to a mandatory system, which we're really disappointed about. I mean, we were just talking about the inconsistencies everywhere and some uh, health stars, uh, some some products displaying health stars, others not. That really is confusing people. Mm. And we did this really interesting research where we looked at a, so Carmen's, for example. So they put health stars on some products, but not on the ones that are least healthy. So we actually (laughs) conducted this survey. And when we uh, showed the product without a health star rating, we said, is this healthy? Uh, 74% of people said yes. When we 
showed the product with the health star of 1.5, only 41% of people said yes. So it does make a difference in our choices. And that's why we're calling for it to be mandatory. And we're pretty disappointed to see that ministers haven't made that commitment, despite research showing that that's the most sensible option to help people make healthy choices. Um, Linda, I have to thank you for... um you know, killing any chance of us being sponsored by comments on the show. <laughs> um, that's over, so thank you for that. Um, but uh, we do want to go to a quiz because we want to see, um, you know, how good are we at figuring out the health star ratings on particular products? The ABC actually did uh, mm-hmm. a similar kind of quiz mm-hmm. on their article, and we're going to do one live on air. And if you want to be a part of the quiz, text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at BackchatFBI. Um, so the first image that we have is one of my favorite snacks, someone on my summer shred. It is Table of Plenty. Mm-hmm. Has anyone tried that before? No? I, I want to be honest and say no, but I can feel that you're going to hate me. No, no, no. It's just, it, it's, an, it's an awesome, it's like a little rice cracker snack and okay. it comes in pre-packaged form and they promise only 69 calories per serve. Mm. And so I'm all about that. It tastes like chocolate, <laughs> rice crackers, amazing, good, easy snack. Um, but I don't want to see what the health star rating is. Our producer, Eden, has uh, made this quiz and she's <laughs> she's going to reveal the answer. Um <laughs> Take your time, Ina. That's fine. Um, right. I what what, st- what what rating do you think it does have? I reckon Swether? it's five. Right? It's, oh, yeah. Do you really? I back table plenty. Please sponsor me. Oh, mm. I don't want to burn that bridge for you, but I, I think it's it's far lower. I think it's probably two. Two? What do you reckon? A little bit lower than five or two. Then two. Oh, you're right. It's one it's- out of five. <laughs> you're right. That's really sad. And. Um, Okay, that's fine. You've broken my heart, Eden. Uh, that's fine. Okay, so the second product we have is Milo. So we have spoken about this before. Mm. Perhaps this was uh, before their skim milk um, shenanigans. Um, but I'm going to guess like a two. I reckon it's a good like four, 3.5, four. Like I reckon. I reckon they've got some magic marketing people on their team who figured out how to game their algorithm to to sell their rating as like... Yeah, Something higher. I wonder, like, how often do they update their health star ratings? Or, I mean, not that often. Yeah, uh, the health star rating algorithm hasn't changed, and they can't um, pick and choose how they use the health star rating algorithm. So, unless they've actually made a change to the product, uh, they can't do much to change their health star. It is what it is. Well, the- <laughs> oh well, Eden's just revealed that it's four point <laughs> five. Yeah, there you go. Out of five. Because of the skim milk or because of the standard serving? Yeah, standard serving size is like a sprinkle or something. Look, with that one, I'm not too sure where, uh, what that's calculated on, but um, oh, just just watch how much of that you <laughs> Um Our third image is what my mum likes to call her thermometer for summer because oh. it's uh, coconut oil mm. in a jar. She always says once it starts melting, the it's becoming summer, which is very cute. Um, I reckon a uh, health star rating of... I mean, it's so good for you. Coconut it oil. Is, I'm, I love coconut oil. It also is high in cholesterol. But it's a healthy fat. No, it's high in cholesterol. I'm keto. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I would say four. I'm going to say it's like two. I'm, two? I reckon it's two. You're wrong. I'm gonna, I am so correct, I reckon. I'm going to slide oh! in the middle. Wait. Okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, no, no. What oh, did you think it oh, was, was before we say, reveal it? I was going to say three. 
It's actually 0.5. Oh, God. 0.5. Wow. Cholesterol will get you guys. Damn. <laughs> that's, that's really disheartening. I guess it's also, I reckon it's the serving size. Like, I really, I bet it says like a, a, half a teaspoon or something so like that. So, with the serving size, that the health star ratings are calculated based on the same uh, serving sizes. Yeah. So, it's per 100 grams. So, they can't, like, oh. manufacturers can't game the system in that way. In that okay. way, so it'd be a hundred grams versus a hundred grams, for example. Okay. So just that so makes sense. just so you know, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Linda, thank you for blowing our minds. Um, a lot of people who've texted in and were on my side about the coconut oil. So um, oh. <laughs> this is blowing everyone's minds. I was going to go guys. into calls and start looking at health star ratings. Look, um, everything in moderation. But anyway, yes, everything in moderation. You're very correct. Uh, thank you so much for being with us this morning, Linda. Thanks for having me. That was Linda Prezhodetsky, a food policy expert from Choice, here in the studio to discuss with us how food manufacturers are gaming the food star rating system uh, that you see on products in your grocery store. That's right, but don't go anywhere because we have our favorite Cameron Wilson from BuzzFeed News coming up to talk to us about the alternative Australian government living on Reddit. But right now we're going to play my new favorite song this is juicy by doja cat everyone get bumping stay tuned the australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons or is the australian taxpayer paying for those as well fact chat your alternative to talk back it's pretty incredible what you can learn on reddit for instance did you know that australia recently became a republic where we're now Mm, debatable. Yeah. I feel like that's wrong. No, it's true. Um, the referendum re- returned a yes vote for Australia becoming a republic with 59% in favour. And it's all happening in an alternative version of Australia that's situated entirely on Reddit. Okay. Uh, the, mm, I'm worried for you, Sweta, because uh, it sounds like a bit of a crazy conspiracy. But you know what? Let's turn to our internet culture expert and BuzzFeed news reporter, Cameron Wilson, who is here with us to explain exactly what is going on. He's also a former Backchat producer. So Hello. We're, really, really, we're so excited to have you here. It's good to be back. It's so good to have you back. Are I, you back? I, 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 you know what? It's taken me a bit of time to get used to being on this side of the microphone. Not mm. that I was really ever on the other side, but just like to be a guest here. Yeah. I'm feeling a bit discombobulated. So. Okay, we'll get used to it, buddy. Okay. All right. Okay. BuzzFeed news reporter. Um, so just to start off, mm-hmm. um, what's happening? What? Who is these people? I, I actually don't... <laughs> Tell <can't>, me what's <laughs> happening. I can't fathom this <laughs> idea of an alternative. I'm asking the questions now. This is cam chat. <laughs> Um, so, I did an article about these people who pretend to be politicians, pretend to be journalists, even high court judges, all online. And so they do it through Reddit, which is like a forum website for those people who don't know, and through Discord, which is like a kind of chat room thing. And these like group of people, uh, most of them are Australian, some of them actually aren't, which is strange in itself, <laughs> um, do things like they, they write this like legit-looking legislation, they... Uh, debate in like question time. They elect people. They they even have like simulated elections. So they have like an algorithm that figures out like who wins elections and stuff. All just like for the fun of it. And it's it's cool. It's weird. And it, it's just it's just a lot of fun to watch. So how did it all start? 
That's a great question. So um, I did dive a bit into the history of it. It's been around for years and years, and actually there's like controversy around it because it existed in like one form, and then people alleged that the person who started up in the first place was committing election fraud and creating like fake accounts and voting themselves in. <laughs> so there was all this controversy that meant that they kind of like end up moving away from that. So many of the core community kind of, I think in like 2017, 2018, start up their own thing, similar thing, but just without the election for it, I guess. Um, all just because they, you know, they just wanted to, to get in a place where they could, like, talk about politics, but without having to, like, stick to the reality of it. So that's why they set yeah. up this game. It's to kind of create this forum where they can, you know, debate about issues, but not have to be, I guess, like, tethered to reality. So does the Australian sim community lean towards particular political party or side? Uh, so there are all kinds of political parties in it. So they don't just like um, stay just with the, the current Australian big ones. Although that being said, they have this weird thing where they kind of incorporate what's happening in the real world, but with their own twists. For example, like the drought is happening in the game. Um, but Scott Morrison isn't Prime Minister. It's a guy called Porridge. Um, <laughs> of course uh, <laughs> um, And they kind of they weave all of it in. Um, but the parties themselves, there's like all kinds of ones. And it's constantly changing. There's all, all these like different coalitions. Um, the guy who was Prime Minister um, was telling me about how he was like the head of the Socialist Party, which then uh, split into the more parties and then formed a, a coalition, which then ended up winning government. So it's extremely like they're constantly like manoeuvring yeah. and politicking it's very like it's very complicated sophisticated um and they're really into it so it's called australian sim is that correct yeah so it, it, the the reddit itself so like the forum of it is called r slash australia sim uh and just to kind of i guess kind of contextualize it it's it is in a way very similar to uh, model un or model parliament that, yeah. that they have in high schools and stuff but this takes it a step further like it's not just like they're oh, like you know meeting up every now and again and like kind of voting on stuff they're writing this legislation which looks so legit like they actually what they did recently is they had to change it to look less legit because they were worried about coming uh, <laughs> like a cropper of that like there's that law that says it's now illegal to imitate the government they were worried that they were going to get pulled up for being too realistic <laughs> and I like, get sent to jail or something so they had to like tone it down just a little bit that is so intense I so wait why are they doing apart from like the utopic yeah, yeah are, are um, they trying to get into politics well that's, that's a great question so there, there are some of them who who do like hold political aspirations I spoke to one I think his name was Yuma and he said this is a great training for politics but I guess the question the, that's a really good question about like you know why do they do it and I found it really interesting because at its core like you know I'm interested in politics I really care about it but I have to say the reason I care about it is because it like it matters it's how you know power like it's the structures of power and it's how change happens in, you know in Australia and across the world I didn't really understand at first why these people wanted to go through all the procedure, like all the kind of like details of politics without any of the like potential, like ability to change the world. Mm. And uh, the reason that a lot of them like it, it's a community, like for all reasons, like why do we do anything? These people like kind of found each other and just really enjoy playing it. They have a great time. You're listening to Backchat on FBI 94.5 FM with Sweta Das and Shami Sivasubramanian. We're speaking with BuzzFeed news reporter and internet culture connoisseur Cameron Wilson. <laughs> I like that. Uh, 
Uh, he's here to talk to us about the alternate Australian government that exists entirely in the bowels of Reddit. So uh, before the show, or before the segment rather, we asked listeners what they would like to change about the government if they could start their own Australian politics simulation. And we've had some text in. Okay. Fahad from Newtown. Hi. Um, he says... I'd make sure my Australia actually had funding for fireys when natural disasters happened. Uh, I'd also admit that the climate crisis was a thing so that we could actually take steps to make sure natural disasters don't destroy our communities in the first place, which is a very wholesome tactic. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's quite real. And, like, so to my fellow Newtowner, um, the interesting thing about the, the simulation is that you know, they have to, like, pass legislation and stuff. And it, the legislation they passed, like, isn't completely out of the realm of possibility. Like, when I was looking through their list of legislation, which they have, it's, like, there's, like, appropriation bills, which is, like, all this, like, you know, kind of uh, not the exciting stuff, but the things you've got to do in government. And there's other bills, like uh, the aged care, um, like, staffing requirement bills. These things aren't crazy. So, you know, you might think that you might have people come in and be, like, like the big bills would be, like, everyone gets, you know, a universal basic income and, like, drugs are all decriminalised, it's actually less, like, crazy than that. It's a bit closer to, like, a, a political nerd's, like, dream, like, wish list of what could happen, but within reality. What you said is some of the stuff that actually kind of does yeah. happen in the game. It's like an... I think, in a way, it's a bit like what they wish politics was actually like. It's like fantasy drafting your parliament. Almost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But the, I just found, I just found it really crazy that they were, like... They, they didn't go, like, for, like... They didn't swing for the roof. They kind of just said, oh, like, let's just, like, make moderate, like... Uh, legislation that could happen. You're like, oh, that's very nice. <laughs> Given that it is somewhat wholesome as you're describing mm-hmm. it to be, would Australia be better off in the hands of Australia Sim? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> Depends what you think of, like, real get- politicians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, they are legit and they really do care about it. And in a way, I mean, you might say that because they're not in it just for, like, I want to have power. Like, maybe that's a really good thing. A lot of them, like, love the procedure. They're all about it. Um... Look, I'm just going to say it. I think we would be better off if Porridge was really our Prime Minister. <laughs> Porridge um, for Priam. <laughs> um, Cam, um, I've just been plagued by one question, yes. which is um, how do we know that Australia Sim isn't the real thing and uh-huh. that we're not in a simulation? That is totally a question that's actually been bugging me because... Thank ha- you for validating me. <laughs> when, when I first uh, found this thing, yeah. I, I came across it because I came across um, this article that was about... Um, you know how there's been all this controversy about the Chinese uh, Communist Party influence in Australian universities? Mm. Well, there's this article I saw that I was like, wow, that's really a really big um, development of something about how um, UQ had announced that the Confucius Centre, which is a, a part of their um, university, had kind of had these links. And I was like, wow, that's like really big news. And then I realised that it actually wasn't a real article. It was written by these people in the game and it had fooled me. That's how legit it oh, is. Wow. And I'm just like, oh my God, Yo. they're really good at this. Like, I'm actually kind of scared they're going to take my job. So if you're listening, like, please stick to the simulation because I need to pay my rent. Oh my God. You've Aww. triggered an existential crisis in everyone <laughs> on a Saturday morning. I'm too dusty for that. Thank you, Cam. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cam. This has been so much fun. We've loved this reunion. It's good to be back.
That was BuzzFeed News reporter and former Backchat producer Cameron Wilson talking to us about our little-known second Australian government called Australian Sim. That's right, but that's all we have for the show today. Another big thanks to our producers Eden Faithful, Natalie Sekolovska and Pip Leeson, and thanks again to our guest Linda Prejudetsky and our wonderful Cameron Wilson. We'll catch you next... Yay! We'll catch you <laughs> next week, but before we do, we're going to play Billie Eilish's new song, is that right? That's right. It launched this morning morning and it is it's a vibe it's a real vibe um it's called everything i wanted i hope you enjoy it see you all next week bye, bye.